Section 22 of Flowers of Free Thought, First Series. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tommy Hersant, Carlsbad, California. Flowers of Free Thought by George William Foote, Section 22, The Gospel of Free Thought. Christians are perpetually crying that we destroy and never build up. Nothing could be more false, for all negation has a positive side, and we cannot deny error without affirming truth. But even if it were true, it would not lessen the value of our work. You must clear the ground before you can build, and plough before you sow. Splendor gives no strength to an edifice whose foundations are treacherous, nor can a harvest be reaped from fields unprepared for the seed. Free thought is, in this respect, like a skillful physician, whose function is to expel disease and leave the patient sound and well. No sick man claims that the doctor shall supply him with something in place of his malady. It is enough that the enemy of his health is driven out. He is then in a position to act for himself. He has legs to walk with, a brain to devise, and hands to execute his will. What more does he need? What more can he ask without declaring himself a weakling or a fool? So it is with superstition, the deadliest disease of the mind. Free thought casts it out, with its blindness and its terrors, and leaves the mind clear and free. All nature is then before us to study and enjoy. Truth shines on us with celestial light, goodness smiles on our best endeavors, and beauty thrills our senses and kindles our imagination with the subtle magic of her charms. What a boon it is to think freely, to let the intellect dart out in quest of truth at every point of the compass, to feel the delight of the chase and the gladness of capture. What a noble privilege to pour treasures of knowledge into the alembic of the brain and separate the gold from the dross. The freethinker takes nothing on trust if he can help it. He dissects, analyzes, and proves everything. Does this make him a barren skeptic? Not so. What he discards he knows to be worthless and he also knows the value of what he prizes. If one sweet vision turns out a mirage, how does it lessen our enjoyment at the true oasis? Or shake our certitude of water and shade under the palm trees by the well? The masses of men do not think freely. They scarcely think at all out of their round of business. They are trained not to think. From the cradle to the grave, orthodoxy has them in its clutches. Their religion is settled by priests, and their political and social institutions by custom. They look askance at the man who dares to question what is established, 
not reflecting that all orthodoxies were once heterodox, and without innovation there could never have been any progress, and that if inquisitive fellows had not gone prying about in forbidden quarters ages ago, the world would still be peopled by savages dressed in nakedness, war-paint, and feathers. The mental stultification which begins in youth reaches ossification as men grow older. Lack of thought ends in incapacity to think. Real free thought is impossible without education. The mind cannot operate without means or construct without materials. Theology opposes education. Free thought supports it. The poor as well as the rich should share in its blessings. Education is a social capital which should be supplied to all. It enriches and expands. It not only furnishes the mind, but strengthens its faculties. Knowledge is power. A race of giants could not level the Alps, but ordinary men, equipped with science, bore through their base and make easy channels for the intercourse of divided nations. Growth comes with use, and power with exercise. Education makes both possible. It puts the means of salvation at the service of all, and prevents the faculties from moving about in vacuo, and finally standing still from sheer hopelessness. The educated man has a whole magazine of appliances at his command, and his intellect is trained in using them, while the uneducated man has nothing but his strength and his training is limited to its use. Free thought demands education for all. It claims a mental inheritance for every child born into the world. Superstition demands ignorance, stupidity, and degradation. Wherever the schoolmaster is busy, free thought prospers. Where he is not found, superstition reigns supreme and levels the people in the dust. Free speech and free thought go together. If one is hampered, the other languishes. What is the use of thinking if I may not express my thought? We claim equal liberty for all. The priest shall say what he believes, and so shall the skeptic. No law shall protect the one and disenfranchise the other. If any man disapproves what I say, he need not hear me a second time. What more does he require? Let him listen to what he likes, and leave others to do the same. Let us have justice and fair play all round. Free thought is not only useful, but laudable. It involves labor and trouble. Ours is not a gospel for those who love the soft pillow of faith. The free thinker does not let his ship rot away in harbor. He spreads his canvas and sails the seas of thought. What, though tempest beat and billows roar, he is undaunted and leaves the avoidance of danger to the sluggard 
and the slave. He will not pay their price for ease and safety. Away he sails with vigilance at the prow and wisdom at the helm. He not only traverses the ocean highways, but skirts unmapped coasts and ventures on uncharted seas. He gathers spoils in every zone, and returns with a rich freight that compensates for all hazards. Some day or other, you say, he will be shipwrecked and lost. Well, perhaps. All things end somehow. But— if he goes down, he will die like a man, and not like a coward, and have for his requiem the psalm of the tempest and the anthem of the waves. Doubt is the beginning of wisdom. It means caution, independence, honesty, and veracity. Faith means negligence, serfdom, insincerity, and deception. The man who never doubts, never thinks. He is like a straw in the wind, or a waif on the sea. He is one of the helpless, docile, unquestioning millions who keep the world in a state of stagnation, and serve as a fulcrum for the lever of despotism. The stupidity of the people, says Whitman, is always inviting the insolence of power. Buckle has well said that skepticism is the necessary antecedent of all progress. Without it, we should still be groping in the night of the dark ages. The very foundations of modern science and philosophy were laid on ground which was wrested from the church, and every stone was cemented with the blood of martyrs. As the edifice arose, the sharpshooters of faith attacked the builders at every point, and they still continue their old practice, although their missiles can hardly reach the towering heights where their enemies are now at work. Astronomy was opposed by the church, because it unsettled old notions of the earth being the center of the universe, and the sun, moon, and stars mere lights stuck in the solid firmament, and worked to and fro like sliding panels. Did not the Bible say that General Joshua commanded the sun to stand still? And how could this have happened unless it moved around the earth? And was not the earth certainly flat as millions of flats believed it to be? The Catholic Inquisition forced Galileo to recant, and Protestant Luther called Copernicus an old fool. Chemistry was opposed as an impious prying into the secrets of God. It was put in the same class with sorcery and witchcraft, and punished in the same way. The early chemists were regarded as agents of the devil, and their successors are still regarded as uncanny in the more ignorant parts of Christendom. Roger Bacon was persecuted by his brother monks. His testing fire was thought to have come from the pit, and the explosion of his gunpowder was the devil vanishing in smoke and smell. 
Even at the end of last century, the clergy-led mob of Birmingham who wrecked Priestley's house and destroyed his apparatus no doubt felt there was a close connection between chemistry and infidelity. Physiology and medicine were opposed on similar grounds. We were all fearfully and wonderfully made, and the less the mystery was looked into, the better. Disease was sent by God for his own wise ends, and to resist it was as bad as blasphemy. Every discovery and every reform was decried as impious. Men now living can remember how the champions of a faith denounced the use of anesthetics in painful labor as an interference with God's curse on the daughters of Eve. Geology was opposed because it discredited Moses, as though that famous old Jew had watched the deposit of every stratum of the earth's crust. It was even said that fossils had been put underground by God to puzzle the wiseacres, and that the devil had carried shells to the hilltops for the purpose of deluding man to infidelity and perdition. Geologists were anathematized from the pulpits and railed at by tub-thumpers. They were obliged to feel their way and go slowly. Sir Charles Lyell had to keep back his strongest conclusions for at least a quarter of a century and could not say all he thought until his head was whitened by old age and he looked into the face of death. Biology was opposed tooth and nail as the worst of all infidelity. It exposed Genesis and put Moses out of court. It destroyed all special creation, showed man's kinship with other forms of life, reduced Adam and Eve to myths, and exploded the doctrine of the fall. Darwin was for years treated as Antichrist and Huxley as the great beast. All that is being changed thanks to the skeptical spirit. Darwin's corpse is buried in Westminster Abbey, but his ideas are undermining all the churches and crumbling them into dust. The Gospel of Free Thought brands persecution as the worst crime against humanity. It stifles the spirit of progress and strangles its pioneers. It eliminates the brave, the adventurous, and the aspiring and leaves only the timid, the sluggish, and the groveling. It removes the lofty and spares the low. It levels all the hills of thought and makes an intellectual flatness. It drenches all the paths of freedom with blood and tears, and makes earth the vestibule of hell. Persecution is the right arm of priestcraft. The black militia of theology are the sworn foes of free thought. They represent it as the sin against the Holy Ghost, for which there is no forgiveness in this world or the next. When they speak of the Holy Ghost, they mean 
themselves. Free thought is a crime against them. It strips off the mystery that invests their craft and shows them as they really are, a horde of bandits who levy blackmail on honest industry and preach a despot in heaven in order to maintain their own tyranny on earth. The gospel of free thought would destroy all priesthoods. Every man should be his own priest. If a professional soul doctor gives you wrong advice and leads you to ruin, he will not be damned for you. He will see you go first. We must take all responsibility, and we should also take the power. Instead of putting our thinking out as we put our washing, let us do it at home. No man can do another's thinking for him. What is thought in the originator is only acquiescence in the man who takes it at second hand. If we do our own thinking in religion, we shall do it in everything else. We reject authority and act for ourselves. Spiritual and temporal power are brought under the same rule. They must justify themselves or go. The free thinker is thus a politician and a social reformer. What a Christian may be, he must be. Free thinkers are naturally radicals. They are almost to a man on the side of justice, freedom, and progress. The Tories know this, and hence they seek to suppress us by the violence of unjust law. They see that we are a growing danger to every kind of privilege, a menace to all the idle classes who live in luxury on the sweat and labor of others, the devouring drones who live on the working bees. The gospel of free thought teaches us to distinguish between the knowable and the unknowable. We cannot fathom the infinite mystery of the universe with our finite plummet, nor see aught behind the veil of death. Here is our appointed province, this world, which is the world of all of us, and where, in the end, we find our happiness or not at all. Let us make the best of this world, and take our chance of any other. If there is a heaven, we dare say it will hold all honest men. If it will not, those who go elsewhere will at least be in good company. Our salvation is here and now. It is certain and not contingent. We need not die before we realize it. Ours is a gospel, and the only gospel, for this side of the grave. The promises of theology cannot be made good till after death. Ours are all redeemable in this life. We ask men to acknowledge realities and dismiss fictions. When you have sifted all the learned sermons ever preached, you will find very little good grain. Theology deals with dreams and fantasies, and gives no guidance to practical men. 
the whole truth or life may be summed up in a few words. Happiness is the only good, suffering the only evil, and selfishness the only sin. And the whole duty of man may be expressed in one sentence, slightly altered from Voltaire, learn what is true in order to do what is right. If a man can tell you anything about these matters, listen to him. If not, turn a deaf ear and let him preach to the wind. The only noble things in this world are great hearts and great brains. There is no virtue in a starveling piety which turns all beauty into ugliness and shrivels up every natural affection. Let the heart beat high with courage and enterprise, and throb with warm passion. Let the brain be an active engine of thought, imagination, and will. The gospel of sorrow has had its day. The time has come for the gospel of gladness. Let us live out our lives to the full, radiating joy on all in our own circle, and diffusing happiness through the grander circle of humanity, until, at last, we retire from the banquet of life, as others have done before us, and sink in eternal repose. End of section 22 Recording by Tommy Hersant, Carlsbad, California.